Westside Baptist Church in Nenon, Georgia, brings you our weekly podcast. We hope you will be encouraged by our music and a message from the Word of God as we present our Sunday morning and Sunday evening services and our weekly broadcast by Dr. Melvin Payne. We thank you for listening. Let's all stand, let's sing. I know my name is there. How many knows that you know that you know that your name is there? Amen. Let's sing it out.
righteousness, my good works would never get me there. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But we serve a Savior that loved us enough to die on the cross for your sin. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could work your way to heaven, Jesus would be an idiot. He'd be a moron for coming to this earth, allowing himself to be abused, murdered, murdered, beaten. He'd be crazy. But it's all by the blood of the Lamb, ladies and gentlemen. Our salvation is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. A righteousness that we have like filthy rags. How are we going to present that to God? Well, tonight on the way to church, you know what my wife said to me, honey, stop over here and get me some water. So I went inside, and you know what I found? I found a bottle of smart water. Now, I don't know what smart water does for you. Had no clue. If I thought it would help my intelligence, I'd drink a gallon of it a day. But I'm smart enough to realize that this old boy's righteousness is never going to get me to heaven. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And if tonight you know the Lord Jesus, why don't you just go ahead and raise your hands up and shout it out and praise God as we sing another verse of this song. While others climb through worldly strife to carve a name of us, singing out, oh, high up in heaven's book of life, my name is written. God, sing it. I feel bad for you. It is so comforting to know that one day we're going to drop this old flesh off as a Christian and before our body hits the ground, we're going to be in the arms of Jesus. Amen. I like it. We spent all of last year um, with doctors. Um, our daughter delivered a stillborn baby in July and it wrecked her kidneys and October, her kidneys completely failed, and she started dialysis and trying to get on the transplant list and do all those things. And 
we had good confidence in the doctors that we had met down here at Piedmont and the ones that were working with her with the transplant center at Piedmont in Atlanta. But every time she'd suffer a setback, every time somebody come to us and say, y'all need to move her to Emory, need to move her to a different hospital. Move her over here. You're not going to get good help with that group. But, but let me tell you something, folks. We, we had full confidence and peace in that doctor that was taking care, and still do to this day, that he was doing right for her, doing everything he could for her, had a vested interest in helping save her life. And we trust him today. Aren't you glad we got a heavenly physician that took our case wherever it was way back there for you that he, that he took your case? Seven years old, he got a hold of my case. But many times throughout my almost 50 years of salvation, there's been times that I've needed that physician. I've needed that help. He's always been there for me. You listen as they sing, he took my case. They said that's all right. This sickness I had was killing me daily, so I fell down on my face. He said, Child, it's sin, but my touch can cure you. to be fair. 
here last night and Todd wasn't able to be here his mother had uh, infection got in that surgery in her back and was having an awful time he wasn't be able to be here to play the bass and they stuck me over here playing the bass and, and I don't play enough bass anymore to stay up on top of it and so I hunt and pecked my way through and got us through a couple of songs and, and then we called the group up and they Put a bass player up here. I just, uh, I about left. I was almost mad. I, they stuck me up here doing that, and that fella got up here, and William said, you know who that is, don't you? And I said, well, I know him. You know, he's part of the group. He said, <laughs> he played the bass for Gold City Quartet. And I said, and why did y'all ask me to play the bass last night? I, I don't even know why. I was up on this platform last night, and I'm just hurt all the way down. I'm just y'all have to pray for me. I'm a little backslid tonight, and I need some I need some help. Well, boy, we had a good time with them last night. Weren't they a blessing? I mean, they were a blessing. Would you put your hands together? Welcome them tonight, Old Time Preachers Quartet.
monster didn't have anything to do with it. Sometimes we do some songs with uh, Lee that we don't do with Adam and vice versa. 
Have we ever done Glory Road? The four of us? Yeah, yeah. We have? What? Can somebody tell me the key we did it in? <laughs> Let's see. We did. Was it Steve? Let's try. Okay, let's try C. Folks, I'm so sorry for what you're probably getting ready to do. Let's try it. Okay, like I said, I'm so sorry for what you're getting ready to do. Yeah. 
was the favorite song of one of my favorite people. My grandmother, we called Mama. She, uh, she had one of those voices that seemed like she could just make the rafters ring. And how treasured are the memories of mine that I could hear her as she would sing. How beautiful heaven must be. And tonight to know that she's there makes it that much more beautiful. I'm glad one of these days I'll get to go myself. Matter of fact, it was today. for the word and I thank God that nothing that I can say or do in my own ability will make a difference but it will all be through the power of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and your willingness to hear what God has to say to you I want to help the church tonight if I can I want to help the pastor tonight if I can I want to help this other there was another group that got in here y'all raise your hand this other group that was in here like before I got here this afternoon who all was that? Now, where are y'all from? Well, hang on to your hat. Glad you're here. And all of you are here. If you're in Ezra, chapter number 3, verse 1, say amen. Would you stand for the reading of the reverence of God's Word, just for a moment? We'll read three verses. We'll have a word of prayer. Then you can be seated, and it's preaching time. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together. Now look at these three words right here. Take note, underline it, put a star by it, blazing it in your mind, as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Back in verse number one, I'm very interested in three words at the end of that verse, that they gathered themselves together as one man. Dear Lord Jesus, you know that I can do nothing on my own. 
Father, if I were to stand up here and rely on my own personality, it'd be an utter failure. God, if I was up here tonight relying on my ability as an orator, there'd be great disappointment. If there was any reliance tonight on my intellect, God, everything would fall short. But, oh, God, this precious word before me tonight has all power. Unctionize me, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd arrest the attention of every listener. And tonight, in these next few moments, we would see what you have for us to say. And, oh, God, for that lost one that's in here tonight, oh, yes, that lost one that's in here tonight, may tonight be the night that they listen to your call and that they'd bow at an old-fashioned altar, lift up their voice and call on your name for salvation, and that you'd save them tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Ezra and Nehemiah is where the Lord has planted me in the beginning, since the beginning of this year. I, I have been laid a, a burden upon me by the Lord, I do believe about Ezra and Nehemiah in these days that we live. How many of you believe, by some signification, either an amen or a raised hand or both, how many of you believe that we're nearing the end of this thing? Amen. The end of this thing is winding down. When my mother used to make me take a bath that's sitting back there when I was a little boy to get all the dirt from out of the sweat rings on my neck, when I'd let that water out of the tub, it would be kind of tranquil till it got right down to the end where there wasn't much water left in there. And when the water got close to being out, that thing would start to spin a little faster and a little faster, and you could hear a sound of that water going, hey, it's spinning a little faster and a little faster right now, and I could hear a sound in a distant country that was about over, my friend. We don't have much time to do things right. We don't have much time to get things right. It's now or never for the church of the living God. Amen. And in Ezra and Nehemiah, we know if we study our Bibles that they are, these are what is known as post-captivity books. In the books of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, we find that there were wicked kings. We find that there was a wandering people. We find that there was a worldly attitude. And we find that there was a judgment that was placed on them through the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Isaiah that they would enter into 70 years of captivity. And sure enough, at the end of those books, King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came through in three campaigns and he took men from Judah and women and boys and girls, the finest of the fine. And in the second campaign, he took more and he tore down homes and he burned villages and he tore down their places of worship. And finally he came to Jerusalem where he decimated the town and he tore down the houses and he burned the temple and he pulled down the walls and he pulled somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 of the finest that Jerusalem had to offer and he marched them back to Babylon and for 70 years, Men like Daniel and men like Mordecai and ladies like Esther, they stood and men like Ezra and men like Nehemiah, they suffered the captivity that was the judgment for their corporate sin as a people. But praise God for chapter 1 of Ezra where King Cyrus, a pagan worshiping, an idol worshiping king that God stirred his heart and said, build me a temple, build me a temple in Jerusalem by the hand of my people. Now, in this day, we could relate to a leader in a country who we could say is on the fringe of faith. But he does things like say in front of the whole world, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Amen. 
Now, how can a man with a questionable grasp on who God is, how can a man like that stand with boldness and courage? I'll tell you how. Because God holds the heart of the king in his hand. I want to get to the message. I just want to show you where we are in this thing. King Cyrus makes a proclamation. All who will freely go, go back to Jerusalem, back to Judah, rebuild the temple. And they are freed from their captivity. They are fully funded by every amount of wealth and every amount of supply that they might need. And then as we see in these words, they are fused together as one man. As one man. Now, <coughs> pardon me, you'll pray for me. It's an absolute miracle. These men will testify that I've been able to sing or speak a note. And if I preach tonight, it'll be just by the mercy and the grace of God. I had, I, I've had that old crud. I think I might have had the flu there one time. I about died. Maybe I did. I don't know. I might have come back from the dead. Two rounds of antibiotics, sinus infection, double ear infection, bronchitis. Right now, what I'm talking about. Y'all pray for me. I ain't poor mouthing. I'm praising God because he's allowing me to do this right now. So if some stuff flies out, I'll start to try to stay back here. As one man. As one man. Now, we read in chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, there is a listing of all those people, all those families, the families and the descendants of those captives that were held in Babylon that decided of their own free will that God being his helper, he'd go back to Jerusalem and build that temple in the number of just shy of 50,000 people. 50,000 people that said, I will go back to Jerusalem. And those people made the journey back fully funded, free to go. And as one man, 50,000 people locked arms came to the site of the temple, the ancient temple of Solomon that had been burned and decimated and no rock was st left standing upon another. And as one man, they came and they built an altar and they offered burnt offering sacrifice unto the Lord as Moses had directed under the leadership of God for them to do all those years ago. Now you got to remember something. This hasn't happened in over 70 years. This has not happened in over 70 years. There are people in this company who are descendants of the captives who've never stepped foot in Jerusalem. And then there are those white-haired ancient men who saw the glory of Solomon's temple. And they came as one man and they built the altar of sacrifice. And they reinstituted the worship of Almighty God. Amen? <laughs> Y'all pray for me. Now here's, I, I, I want you to put a little marker right there in Ezra 3 and we're coming back. Turn back to Exodus chapter number 26. Exodus chapter number 26. Now this thought of as one man. I, I want to I tie two things together tonight if I could, preacher. Just for a little while. It's not my intention to keep you long and I'm going to preach this as fast as I can. I, I, I've never looked at my watch preaching because I don't need, I, I've got a stomach. I don't need a watch to keep me from preaching. Now, look here. Chapter number 26. These, these chapters of, of Exodus. These chapters in Exodus. 
These are where the children of Israel, they've come out from Egypt. Sound familiar? Come out from bondage. In chapter 23, 24, 25, 26, God's giving instructions about the wilderness tabernacle, that portable tabernacle, and he's setting up the worship, he's setting up the priesthood, he's setting up all the things that he wants to happen that are all a type of Jesus Christ. You understand that? Are we, are we all on the same page here? Now, chapter 26, when we come down to verse 15, all the instructions have been given before this for the coverings, the ram skins, and a lot of the furnishings. And, and those artisans, they're building the Ark of the Covenant and the candlestick and the and this table of showbread. Mmm, I feel good about that right now. I don't y'all may not shout, but I'm fixing to here in just a minute. And now he comes to a point that I believe ties in with exactly what we're talking about in the books of Ezra and then also in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, where they came as one man and they desired the word of God. And here we read in verse number 15. Look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. And thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle of Shittim wood standing up. Ten cubits shall, they, shall be the length of the board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Two tenons shall be in the one board, set in order, uh, set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make all the boards of the tabernacle, and thou shalt make the boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards on the south side, southward, and thou shalt make forty sockets of silver, under the twenty boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons, and two sockets under another board for his two tenons, and the second side of the tabernacle on the north side, there shall be twenty boards, and so on and so forth. He goes on to give the instruction. Now, uh, Brother Adam, why are you telling us about boards? Uh, wh what's a tenon, Brother Adam? Uh, uh, a socket of silver. What, what are we talking about? I was wondering why y'all weren't running around shouting over all that. This wood that is being used, let's talk about the boards first. Remember, we're thinking about being as one man. The boards, our modern identification of this type of wood is acacia wood. They make fine guitars, fine furniture, hard, beautiful furniture out of acacia wood. Acacia wood. Everybody, anybody heard of acacia wood? This is what this is. Now, uh, this wood... Think about it on these terms. Uh, this wood is a type of us, of mankind. This type of wood, even today, as it would have been back then, is a very, very dense and hard wood. It is very knotty. It is very gnarly. The, the tree twists. It is hard to cut. It is hard to shape. It is hard to smooth. Does that remind you of anybody you see in the mirror on the regular basis? It's hard to work with. But he says, that's the wood that I want to use. Oh, but Lord, wouldn't you rather use some beautiful cedar? Wouldn't you rather use some gorgeous smelling cedar? Wouldn't you rather use some of that soft, easily sanded and easily shaped cedar like Solomon did? No. I want the hardest, gnarliest, knottiest, most twisted wood I can Thank God. We're the boards. We're the boards. Here's some good things about those boards, though, Will. See, those boards came from a tree. And before they could become boards, they had to be in that tree, and they had to be cut loose from the earth. 
They had to be separated from the thing that tied them down to the world. They had to be sawed to a uniform dimension just the way that God wanted them to be. He didn't leave them all splintered up and gnarled up. He didn't cut them all sorts of different ways. He said, I want it this way. And so they cut them that away. Not only were they sawed down and, and shaped, they were stood up. In verse 40, it says they reared the walls up. Those boards were stood up into a place. Now, it's going to get good here in just a second. The tenons. Oh, yes, the tenons. I just about shouted when you talked about the tenons, Brother Adam. What in the world is a tenon? Here's what it is. It's picture, if you will, on the bottom of a board, it would be kind of like a dovetail joint. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Things that come together like this. On the bottom of all those boards, ma'am, there was two notches on the bottom of those boards. And those were like the feet of the boards, the tenons. They were an anchoring point for the boards. They were the frame that held the feet, that became the feet that held the board in place, those tenons. And then he talked about, in verse number 19, the sockets of silver. The sockets of silver. Now, we all know what a socket is on a wrench. We know what a socket is. Sound effects don't cost any extra. We know that a bolt fits down into a socket. Well, that's what a tenon did to these silver sockets. That foot just went right, right down in that socket like that. Two of them. Right down in the silver socket. Mm. Silver in the Bible is a type of the redemption the type of the redemption, something that buys something, you see. Preacher, uh, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers for 20 pieces of silver. Judas sold Jesus to the Pharisees for 30 pieces of silver. Just the cost of a slave. But by that 30 pieces of silver price, Jesus Christ went to Calvary and bought our redemption. And he said, what I want to be on the bottom of those boards, what I want to be as the foundation of those boards is silver sockets. Silver's valuable. Silver typifies the redemption of Christ. Now, the silver did something very important to those boards. It separated the boards from the earth. See, once they got shaped, once they got sawed down, and once they got smoothed out. Oh, and by the way, did I mention, he said, overlay them with pure gold. He took those boards that were once so gnarly, and once so twisted, and once so naughty, and he overlaid them with pure gold. You know, when you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ and cried out to him for salvation, asked him to save your soul, he didn't leave you all naughty and gnarly and twisted. He clothed you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, purer than any gold. The silver of that socket's our redemption. That overlay is our righteousness. And he said, I want you to put those boards, those tenons down in those sockets. 
Mm. Hang on, Methodist. <coughs> you might do some things you never thought about doing. Before. They were separated from the earth. It kept those boards from sinking into the sand. And then he said, put them together with the interlocking sockets so that they would be forced to fit together. Okay. Will, you come here. Tim, you come here. Come here, good brother. Come here, preacher. Come, preacher, you stand right here in the middle. You stand right here. Black shirt brother right here. Right there, what's his name? Black shirt brother. Come here, come here, come here. Come here and stand by Will. Come over here and stand by Will. All right. Y'all are the boards. You've been cut, you've been sawed, you've been smoothed, you've been shaped, you've been overlaid with gold, you got your tendons, you got your feet. Now, they're fixing to raise you up and put you into the sockets. Now, preacher, you're the first board. All right, you're right there. You stand right there. Now, spread your feet out just a little bit. That's good right there. Will, come here. That wheel looks sharp. Look, I'm going to place you. Put your foot right up against his foot. Right there. Boom. Stand shoulder to shoulder. Sir, put your foot right up next to Will's foot. Tim, come here. Put your foot right there. Preacher's foot. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Y'all see what I'm seeing? Those feet. Oh, hallelujah. I about went down right there, but I'm so sorry. Those feet are interlocked together. They're standing shoulder to shoulder. Five of those men coming at you is not just one man coming at you. They're coming at you as one man. Now, if I was to push, I'd have to push all of them over. But I could still knock him over this way. I'm not going to read it. You go home and read it. He said in those instructions on these boards... He said, make five rings all down those boards. Five rings, five sets of rings. And I want you to take some more of that acacia wood, and I want you to make long rods, long bars, and I want you to overlay them with gold. And I want you to take those bars, and I want you to slide it through all those rings, five high, all the way down. Five, God's grace. The grace of God... So they, they lock together down here. They're not going down. They lock together here. They're not going right. They're not going to fall right or left because they're, they're so tightly joined together. And now they got five bars going across them and a corner piece coming on the backside with eight boards. They ain't going nowhere. I believe it's over there in Ephesians chapter 4. He, said, he gave some pastors, some evangelists, some, uh, help me, teachers. There's five of them. All of them deliver the Word of God. You know what you do? You get under your pastor. You listen to the evangelist. You listen to your Sunday school teacher. You listen to those that give you the Word of God. And by the grace of God, you're not going to fall. You're not going to fall. You know why? Because when you do that, and then she does that, and then Boo does that, and she does that, and this brother does that, and this brother does that, and this lady does that, and you're all joined together, and you're doing all those things, 
It's just like you're one big man. You're just one man. Mm. No space. Nothing touching this old world because of the redemption of Christ. Amen. As one man. Y'all sit down. Thank you. Now, Brother Adam, what are you trying to say? Those boards were secure. You understand me? Those boards were not coming out of there. Those boards were secure. Uh, the sockets kept them from going down. They couldn't go down. Uh, those uh, bars kept them from falling forward or backward on their own. You know why? Because they were held together. They were holding each other up on the strength of each other. As one man. They couldn't fall left or right because they were so close to their brethren. They couldn't fall forward. They couldn't fall back. They couldn't fall side to side. They weren't going down in the sand. The only way that they could go is up. And they couldn't go by themselves. If they were going up, they's going up all together. Kind of reminds me of a trump, a shout, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in there, and there shall we ever be with the Lord. I might go by the way of the grave, and you might still be here if you're saved. When the world looks around and CNN says, oh, there's been a disappearance. And the Democrats could say, oh, well, isn't that refreshing? All those fundamental King James Bible only, Holy Ghost believing triune God, so-called fundamental Christians are now gone. As one man, according to the authority of the Word of God. Now, those people came in Jerusalem to build an altar of worship. There's three sections of the Bible where this exact phrase is used or a variation of this phrase is used. In the book of Judges, it says that the armies of God fought as one man and they waged war together. And great battles were won in all those passages where they came as one man. And in Ezra chapter 3, verse 1, they came as one man. And after seven plus decades of no burnt offering sacrifices and worship as God wanted it, they came back and established the worship of God as He was pleased with. And in Ezra, and in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1, those walls had been built. That temple had been rebuilt. The homes had been rebuilt. And as one man, those tens of thousands of God's people came marching through town. And they marched right up to Ezra, that priest, that scribe. Amen. And they said, we've never heard the law of Moses. And all these buildings are great. And the, and the temple is beautiful. And we've all got houses. We've got a, a beautiful city now. And the walls are rebuilt. 
but we haven't heard the word. As one man, we can wage a spiritual war and great things can happen. Do you believe that? As one man, we can come and we can establish and participate in and with our whole heart, we can give a worship and a praise unto God that pleases Him and does not appeal to the eye or the flesh. I'm done with this right here. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Get your hands up for Jesus. Get your hands up. Now everybody do this. I'm done with that. I ain't going to the first church of the smoke machine. I ain't going to movie screen. Whatever. It ain't a church. God, help! God's people need to go back. Can you imagine this? What if you, how many of you are 70 years and younger? Would you raise your hand? Most of y'all still can beyond this point. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to embarrass, but I assume it. I assume everybody else is 70 or above. I know two that are, and that's all I'm knowing, and that's all I want. I am. But those who were younger, they had never heard the Word of God read. And it got to a point where buildings were not enough. It got to a point where having a good house was not enough. It got to a point where the only thing they really wanted was to worship God and they wanted the Word of God. There was one more time in the Bible. It doesn't say exactly like as one man. It says something like this. In one accord. In an upper room. About 500. And as they came as one man, if you will, they got the presence of the Holy Ghost of God in their life. Here it is, folks. Why are you telling us about boards, brother Adam? Why are you telling us about sockets, tenons, bars? Why are you telling us about these folks? Here's why. Because I search far and wide as we travel across this country, and for many years, no exaggeration, in the neighborhood of probably 15 to 1,800 different churches I've been in across this country and overseas. And I've been in some really good churches. I want to say, I believe this is a really good church. I believe your pastor's got a heart for you. I believe you love your pastor, probably most of you. I, I, I believe you probably do some good things. I believe y'all probably try to do some good things, good brother. I've been in a lot of churches. But I've yet to see one church that operated completely as one man. With one thought and one thought only, that the will of God be done. That with one dedication, 
that the King James Bible, I don't care if you don't like it or not, get over it. It's the truth. You say, you're pretty narrow-minded, preacher. I'm that narrow-minded right there. That would say, we want to worship God God's way. And that would say, this is not service in here. This is worship and listening and learning to God. That's service out there. That's service on Monday morning when you go back into the job. That's service when you go back to school. That's service when you get out there and you try to tell somebody else about this Jesus. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. One man. I've seen these football teams. I don't watch pro football anymore. I'm done with that. I don't care. I got enough time. I ain't got enough time. I ain't worried about them. I ain't, you know, hey, whoever they want to do. I ain't, I ain't contributing to their gazillion dollars. I don't care. I like college football. <laughs> Anyways. Some of these college teams. I remember back when, old, when Auburn had Coach Tubble years ago. And he was the first one I saw do this. He would get out in front of his team. And everyone's team members was locked arms. And they came out like this. Like this. They didn't run. They didn't scurry in all directions. They marched out on that field as one fighting force who came to win. And they locked those arms all the way to that sideline. And they played that way too. My heart is burdened. Y'all pray for me. In evangelism, you go to all types of places and you end up in all types of churches. And you never really know how it's going to be. But I promise you this. This might be the only church. How many of y'all, this is the only church. You got saved in this church. This is the only church you've ever belonged to. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? Yes, sir. This is the only thing you've ever known. That's wonderful. It's not that way with everybody. There's a lot of people that's hurt over what happened to them in church. And we owe those boards when the bad stuff happens in church that usually revolves around business meetings. Those boards, they can get busted up. Those boards can get splintered. Those boards can get gaps in between. In your mind, you see that? You know who it usually hurts the most? Those little ones. That's who it splinters up the most. And they look at a bunch of grown-ups acting like a bunch of kids and they say, uh-huh, when I get big, y'all ain't making me come back. Come on, Brother Adam, you're telling the truth. And you know what you've got? You've got them leaving the church in droves. In droves. I live in Commerce, Georgia, up on 85, heading towards South Carolina. That's a little old small town. Y'all got way more good eating joints in Noonan than we got in Converse. 
I'm here to tell you, I might just come here for vacation, just have an eating vacation. You know what I'm saying? But I tell you what we got in little old commerce. There's a Muslim community that has sprung up. And it's not Arabs. It's not people. It's not them people. It's Georgia folks. And they work in Walmart. And they work at the rapid care clinic. And they're all over the place. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. You know why? Because probably somewhere back down the line, they got damaged through some junk that went on in church. Amen? Here's my challenge. Not just for Brother Alton. This is my challenge to Westside Baptist Church and to your church and to our church and to y'all's church and to y'all's church. Pray unto God in heaven that he will bind our churches together as one man. Here's the simple truth, and I'm done. You can't bind with the church as one man if you're not one with God. If you're lost, you're on the outside. You might attend. You might have shown up now for 50 years. But if you're not saved, you're on the outside. Here's the invitation. The pastor's going to take the invitation from here. Musicians are going to go ahead and come. We may not even need to sing that. They just may need to play something. That's up to y'all. Whatever y'all feel like the Lord wants you to do. Here's the invitation. Are you operating within your church in one accord? Is your church operating as one man? Are you in step in unity with what God wants for your individual life? His will, His word, His work? Before all those boards can be joined together, they've got to be fashioned in a uniform way that will make them fit if you're still twisted out about some things, you're not going to fit right against the board next to you. Might need to get some things straightened out. I don't know. You say, what are you talking about, brother? You don't know us. I know. I know church people, though. I don't, know how to, I don't have to know you all your little isms and schisms. Me and my wife, we fight. I mean, hard to have a, a good marriage. Amen? 
much less live in unity in one mind and in one spirit, one accord with a church body. But I'm here to promise you tonight, on the authority of the word that we read tonight, if a church will gather as one man and dedicate themselves to hold each other up and to be held up by the redemption plan and to be held up by the grace, and if they'll work as one man, great things can happen Amen. in Noonan, Georgia. Let's stand to our feet. Pastor, you've got the invitation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. It blows my mind, Lord, that the God of heaven would lay his perfect word in my lap and give me instruction for every aspect of my life. To be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a good employee, to be a good church member, to be a good friend, to be a good worker. God, you've given me the instruction in your precious word. And I pray tonight that the word of God has done its work. And now I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will do his work in the hearts and lives of men and women and boys and girls. Before the pastor comes, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask a question. No one looking around. If you'd say tonight, Brother Adam, I'd ask you to pray for me because I'm not saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I have some doubts. I'd like to make sure that I'm saved. I need to get I know I'm lost. If that's you tonight, nobody's looking but me. If that's you, would you be honest with God and just slip up your hand and say, I'm lost, Brother Adam. I know I am. I know I am, or I think that I might be. Is that you tonight? Would you raise your hand anywhere in the house? Then why don't we just decide to become as one man? The invitation is simple tonight. There's many churches represented here, but all of us are in the Noonan vicinity, I believe. The altar's open. Maybe you'd like to come and say, Lord, maybe from Westside. Help us at Westside to be come like one man. But maybe you're a visitor here tonight. Maybe you'd like to come to the altar and say, Lord, help me and help my church. And we go back to become as one man that we can carry the cross of Jesus Christ into our community, that souls will be saved and lives will be changed. The drunks will be sober and the drug addicts will be clean. The altar is open. The opportunity is here as we sing. Have thine affections been nailed to the cross? Help me and my church, oh Lord. Help me and my church. Help me, Lord. Help Countest thou all things for Jesus but Lord?